It is Sunday, October 11th, 2020. This is U62 the Targ. Let's do this. As we say in the radio business, if you put that on the radio, people will listen to it. All right, here it comes. Anyone who isn't dead or from another plane of existence would do well to cover their ears right about now. Live on a little tiny microchip deep inside some electronics. Broadcasting to the world through the miracle of the internet. Ladies and gentlemen, this is U62 The Tar. Now your host, a man with a lifelong dream of getting paid to do this, Mark Pappas. On this week's show, my thoughts on Bill and Ted Face the Music, sampling Dairy Queen's latest burger, and some nerd news headlines. It's episode 1024, Turkey Time. So sit back, relax, grab yourself some warm root beer and a towel that's oh so fluffy. U62 the Tar, you're in for something special. Enjoy the show. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Mark Cap is here. Welcome to this week's episode of the Targ. You know me in these pandemic times. I am still working hard to feed my love for movies. And I finally indulged in one of those home premieres that's been so popular these days. Of course, with the movie theaters closing for the pandemic, a lot of movie studios decided to go the straight-to-video route. With a home premiere, you could pay a premium price for it on places like Google Play or iTunes so you could watch it at home. I'd been debating whether to go for some of these home premieres, but I finally broke down this past weekend because I really wanted to see Bill and Ted face the music. And it turned out I had enough scene points to get it on the Cineplex store for free, so awesome! I'd been really looking forward to Bill and Ted face the music. At the tender age of 12, I got to go to the theater to see Bill and Ted's excellent adventure, and I loved it. As soon as I discovered the internet and started googling movie rumors, whispers of a third film abounded. The idea of catching up with a middle-aged Bill and Ted really started picking up steam about five years ago, when the, and when they announced it was happening, I was thrilled. So yep, I saw it there on Cineplex store, I had enough scene points to see it for free, I was like, let's do this. After the events of Bill and Ted's bogus journey, Wild Stallions went on to have great success as rock stars. But Bill and Ted have yet to write... The song, the one that will unite the world in peace and harmony. Over the next 25 years, their attempts to write the song grow more and more desperate, alienating their fans and putting a strain on their marriages. About the only bright spot in their lives are their daughters, Billy and Thea, who adore their fathers. Just as Bill and Ted are about to give up and go get real jobs, an emissary from the future arrives. Because Bill and Ted haven't written the song yet, the timeline is starting to collapse. If they don't write and perform the song in the next 75 minutes, all of reality will be undone. So Bill and Ted hop in their old time-traveling phone booth and decide to just get the song from their future selves when they've already written it. And while this goes on, Billy and Thea have their own excellent adventure as they round up history's greatest musicians to form their dad's new band. Will Bill and Ted find the song in the time stream? Can they save all of reality? Man, I tell you, what I liked about this film, it's just a nostalgic joy to see these characters back at it. It's almost shocking how little they've aged, and bringing them up to middle age and dealing with all that comes with it is just the most logical place to go. The casting is top-notch, too. The kid they got playing Billy, that's Ted's daughter, has young Keanu Reeves' mannerisms down pat. 
And they got some great laugh-out-loud moments as we see the future of Bills and Ted's, and you can't help but cheer when old friends like Death show up to be part of the ride. But that being said, there were a few things I didn't like. I think Keanu Reeves has been playing action heroes for too long, as he seems to be taking this far too seriously. I don't think Ted cracks a smile once in the film. And I was almost taken aback at how small scale it is. Aside from some big set pieces in the future and hell, it's mostly smaller character stuff. I don't know why I'm saying that's something I didn't like, as it allows for great character growth. I guess after 25 years, I was just expecting the film to be bigger. All in all, I found it to be a fantastic return for Bill and Ted, and please give us a spin-off about Billy and Thea. You're listening to Mark Kappas. It's clear to all of you that I am awesome. On U62, The Targ. Hello there, your old pal Mark Kappas here once again. And I have another installment of Mark Tastes Random Things. You know me because I am obsessed with fast food and love it so much. Seems like every time they come out with some kind of brand new promotional burger, I have to go out and try it for myself. So now, today, we are heading up to Dairy Queen to try their latest promotional burger, the Loaded Steakhouse Burger. Now, as a lot of you might know, up here in Westlock, we had a Dairy Queen open up, oh, just about a year ago. I think they'll officially be celebrating their one-year anniversary come February, or maybe January. Soft launch was in January, grand opening was in February. That's how that worked out. But anyways, as you can tell by my knowledge of all their opening dates, I'm a little bit obsessed with it. You know, I put on five pounds during this pandemic. I don't think it's all been stress eating because, you know, that's around the same time that Dairy Queen came to Westlock. So I love you, Dairy Queen. I love you a whole bunch. So that's why I'm eager to try your loaded steakhouse burger. This is available in a third pound double and a half pound triple. I went for the half pound double here. As you can see, we have two tasty, juicy burger patties on there. We got the cheese. It's topped with onion rings and bacon, and their own special blend of two different kinds of steak sauces on this burger. I believe they came out with a variation of this a couple of years ago, only instead of the blend of two steak sauces, it had HP sauce on it. They probably had some kind of promotional deal going with the makers of HP sauce. So there you go. Looks like a fairly tasty burger. Alrighty then, so let's take a big bite, shall we? It's pretty good. The onion rings make for a pleasant crunch. The bacon, I'm going to have a little more bacon to bring out the flavor of the bacon. That's a great barbecue sauce they got on it. I think it's a barbecue sauce. I mentioned before they had a variation of this a couple of years ago with HP sauce. It does taste vaguely like HP sauce. I'm going in for another bite. Oh, yeah. That is a real nice tangy sauce they got on. I'm digging this sauce. So there you have it. That is uh, Dairy Queen's Loaded Steakhouse Burger. Got a nice tangy sauce on it. Uh, very good for a Dairy Queen burger. I highly enjoyed this. I recommend you try one out as well. Everything's better with Mark Kappas. Crime has gone down, productivity is up, and ratings for Doctor Who are through the roof. 
Mark Kappas on U62, The Targ. And now it's time for the streaming report where I update you on what I've been binging lately. Haven't really delved into a new series yet. I've been waiting for the entire second season of The Boys to drop on Amazon Prime and then I'll be heading into that. So I'm just watching random stuff here and there to tide me over. And that's what finally led me to Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous. I've always been a huge fan of the Jurassic Park slash World franchise, and this is the long-awaited Jurassic animated series. I say long-awaited because there was originally meant to be a Jurassic Park animated series way back in 1993, hot on the heels of the first movie. I remember seeing Jeff Goldblum talking about it on Letterman and how he had to approve his likeness for the show. According to Google, Spielberg himself pulled the plug because he started growing sensitive to the criticism that he over-merchandised the original Jurassic Park. But we finally have our animated series in the form of Camp Cretaceous. Turns out one of Jurassic World's newest amenities is a summer camp, where kids can get up close and personal with the dinosaurs. The show follows the first six kids to attend this camp. They're the testers, as it were. We've got our usual summer camp stock characters. There's the nerdy one who's super into dinosaurs. We got the rich kid who acts too cool for school. There's the other nerdy one who's scared of everything and the outdoors and is constantly bathing in hand sanitizer. We've got the overly friendly one, the athletic one, and the influencer who can't stay off her phone. About three episodes in, the summer camp fun stops and you realize this is running parallel to the events of the film Jurassic World. The Indonymous Rex gets out, causing all the dinosaurs to get out, and with their camp counselors off on business at the other end of the island, it's up to our kids to finally put aside their differences and cross the island of dinosaurs to safety. It was fun. I mean, at this point, we're all familiar with the Jurassic Park slash world formula. They get chased by dinosaurs, they work together to escape the dinosaurs, and then it's off to the next dinosaur chase. Although, I will admit, for a kid's show, it's surprisingly scary and gets quite dark in some places, and especially that cliffhanger ending. Spoiler warning! So, the kids don't make it to the evacuation center in time, and they get left behind on the island. So, season two is going to be all about them fighting for survival and maybe getting all Lord of the Flies. So, yeah, it's pretty formulaic for the Jurassic franchise, but it'll tide me over until Jurassic World 3 comes out. And that's the streaming report. This is your interstellar disc jockey. Mark Kappas, U62. The Targ. Before we wrap things up, I've got some headlines that have been piling up on my desk. Firstly, we've got some casting news about the next Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man Something Something Home. That's just a title I pulled out of my butt. And that is, Jamie Foxx is coming back as Electro. You may remember he first played Electro in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. So, I'm still having trouble wrapping my brain about this. Are they giving Jamie Foxx another kick at the can? I mean, Amazing Spider-Man 2 was such a bloated mess that Electro was one of the many characters that got shafted. Are they really opening up the Spider-Verse, and will he be reprising his Amazing Spider-Man 2 Electro, or is this a whole new take on the character? The mind boggles. But you know, the good folks at Marvel haven't steered me wrong yet, so I'll stay cautiously optimistic. Next up, some sad news to report. Netflix has decided to cancel GLOW. I loved GLOW. It was loosely based on the legendary women's wrestling league of the 1980s, as it followed the lives and loves of these wrestlers. Originally, Netflix renewed it for a fourth and final season. They finished filming the first episode of season four when the pandemic hit and Hollywood started shutting down. 
Hollywood is starting to reopen, but Netflix says that, as this is a show about wrestling and the actors will always be up close and personal with each other, there's no way they can continue filming and maintain safe practices. So rather than wait longer, they decided to just shut her down. Which is a shame. Season 3 ended on such a downer, I was really looking forward to our heroines going out on a happy ending. Hopefully the creators will find some way to release what their planned ending was so we won't be left hanging. And finally, Disney's going to be giving us a sequel to their live-action remake of The Lion King. Apparently, for the sequel, they're going to be giving it a non-linear story approach. We'll see Simba's early days as king and struggling with the weight of the crown, and we'll occasionally flash back to young Mufasa on the throne and how he answered similar problems. Now see, this I can get behind. I can get on board with Disney's live-action remakes and reboots as long as they bring something new to the material. And this is something new. Although I've never watched any of their straight-to-video sequels back in the day, so for all I know, this has been done before. I haven't watched the live-action Lion King yet. Time to fire up that Disney Plus subscription and check it out. Maybe I should make this another segment on the show. Nerd News Headlines, where I just rattle off some of the bigger stories in my social media feed. Something to consider as time moves on. Anyway, I've reached the end of my social media feed, so I think I'll wrap this up. As always, thank you for tuning in. You can always subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play. And you can always pop over to my official website, chaosinabox.com. I'm Mark Gapp, as this has been the Targ. I'll see you next week. And this brings us to the end of another exciting episode of the Targ. Don't forget you can download a new episode of the Targ every week at chaosinabox.com. The Targ is written and produced by Mark Kappas under the watchful eye of 42 Star Wars action figures. The Targ is a Chaos in a Box production. That's all there is. There isn't any more.